Welcome to Open House. We're so glad you're here. Hi, my name is Heather. I work with an organization called Chi Alpha. We're a Christian ministry here on campus, and so we are throwing Open House tonight. If it's your first time here, we're really glad that you can make it. And so I just want to share with you guys a little bit of what Open House is and why we do it. And so Open House is just um, something we do once a month. And we just want to take time to talk about some of the hard questions in Christianity. Um, questions like suffering, if God is so good and loving, why is there suffering in the world? Or questions on the exclusivity of Christianity, which are like, how can Christianity claim, how can Christianity claim to be the only way to God? And so that's exactly what we're talking about tonight. Um, we know these are hard questions and that people are looking for answers. And so it's our conviction here in Chi Alpha that we take the time to talk about those things and let you guys ask questions. And so I just want to let you know how it's going to run tonight. First, we're going to have our speaker, Charles, come up, and he's going to speak for a little bit, and that's the first portion. The second portion is a Q&A. So what we, what we would love for you guys to do is if you have any questions um, while he is speaking, go ahead and write those down so that once the Q&A starts, we can go ahead and get the ball rolling and start those questions, okay? So welcome, Charles Sombrio. Hello. I'm glad to see you guys. I uh, I feel like I smell pretty bad because no one is sitting here. So <laughs> in the back, that's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, so I don't really know how to jump into this, so I'm just going to go ahead and do that. Um, I don't have like a joke. Actually, I do, but it's it's not good. Um, no, it's it's not worth it. It's It's a waste of y'all's time, and I'm not here to do that. If you want to know it, ask me tomorrow. Um, all right, so here we go. Uh, yeah, so we were talking about what Heather said, um, exclusivity of Christianity, um, and what that looks like, okay? So if you guys have questions about even what Christianity is, this is the perfect time to figure that stuff out, okay? If you do, and you, like, you have gone to church your whole life, um, this is still a good time for you guys to ask questions, okay? Uh, I don't mean just after. I just mean, like, thinking of questions, trying to figure out, okay, you know, if you have something that you hold to be true, um, then you probably want to, like, continually, continuously have that proven for you, right? You don't want to, like, start your car once and be like, oh, sweet, this car works. And then you turn it off, and the next time you get in your car, it doesn't work, right? Like, you want to make sure that it's constantly working. Does that make sense? So, um, just to start out real quick, uh, I want to be all on the same page, um, and so when I talk about, <laughs> basically, if you have a, another definition for religion, that is okay, but the, the definition that I want to use for religion is uh, simply defined as this. It says, a set of beliefs that explain what life is all about, who we are, and the most important things that human beings should spend their time doing. Okay, uh, I read that in a book, so it's probably a good definition, right? <laughs> Stupid. Uh, okay, so no, it is. It was cool. Um, so yeah, that is that is the definition of religion I'm going to use. Um, you could say that's really just a definition for a worldview. Um, you'd probably be right, but I'm just going to go ahead and use the term religion. Okay. All right. Sweet. Um, so now that that is kind of established. Um, the cool thing about religion or just this kind of idea, your worldview, whatever you want to call it, 
um, is that it answers four questions, okay? Four questions are always answered. Um, and those questions have to do with four super simple things, okay? Origin, meaning, morality, and destiny, okay? Origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. So your questions are, where did I come from? Origin. Um, why am I here? Meaning. How should I live? And that's morality. And then what should I expect to get out of this whole thing? Okay, that's destiny. Um, you call it kind of like a conclusion. So as we move forward, keep remembering those questions. Okay. I am not a religious studies major. Um, I'm not very well versed in a lot of other religions, to tell you the truth. But uh, I, I found this out the other day, and it instantly um, kind of made me feel uh, better about talking about this, okay? Uh, it was really sweet. So he's, he's talking about um, all religions in the whole world fall into these three categories, okay? Super easy. I don't know if it's going to be up there, but it, it's not. Okay, so, but they're really easy, so you don't have to worry about it. Uh, only the universe exists. Oh, it is up there. <laughs> uh, only God exists. Or both the universe and God exist. Okay? So whatever you came in here tonight believing, it probably falls into one of those three things. Okay? Only the universe exists. There is no God Nature is all there is, right? Only God exists. That's kind of a different one, especially um, if you're from America. If you're from another country, that actually might be really normal um, for you, and that's okay. Um, but it's it's the universe doesn't matter. Mind over matter, right? This is all in your head. All we need to figure out is what's spiritually true, okay? And then the third one, um, which what we're talking about tonight, is Christianity, and that adheres to this belief both the universe and God exist, okay? So there's a what we call a spiritual half, okay? Um, and then a physical or natural half, all right? So supernatural, natural, physical, spiritual, however you want to call that, that's what we're going to move forward talking about. Um, so yeah, let's do that. So we're going to talk about truth, okay? Truth. After we've established all that stuff, why does that matter? What is the point of all this? Um and this is the reality of truth, okay? When you look at truth, no matter what that truth is, it has to be exclusive, okay? Truth has to be exclusive in itself. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about universes only, God only, universe and God only. I'm just talking about truth in itself has to be exclusive because of this one super, super simple statement. If X is true, then Y is not true. Or you could say, if X is true, then the opposite of X is not true, okay? That has to be the groundwork from where we work because anything else is just going to be super abstract. Anything else that we, that we go from there is just going to be incredibly philosophical, maybe, or just like imaginary or whatever. Like, if, if there is no basis for truth and if, truth, if that basis is that truth is not exclusive, we don't really have any foundation to work on, Okay. But if we make sure that truth is exclusive, then we have a real foundation that we can work from, okay? So if you guys are here um, and you are honestly seeking to find truth, okay? If you're honestly seeking to find truth, then that is that idea that truth is exclusive 
is probably going to be continuously like coming up in your head. Okay. You're going to want to ask yourself that over and over and over and over because if you find something you're like oh i believe this to be true and then something kind of like jabs that and kind of like comes from the side and you're like wait that doesn't make any sense but it has to be true too then you're just going to have this like mix soupy thing of (laughs) ideas that don't add up okay Um, but if you make sure that truth is exclusive and that you're looking for truth to be exclusive then you'll probably find it okay so um this is the thing uh, as, as a society, as a culture, um, we don't particularly like thinking deeply. Um, I know for me, this is something I really had to learn to do. I kind of had to learn to, to do this because honestly, cause someone called me out about it. They were like, Hey man, you don't really think very deeply. You kind of appear stupid. And I was like, Oh shoot. <laughs> uh, that's not fun to hear. Right. Nobody wants to hear that. And so as soon as you hear that, you're like, okay, I need to start doing something about this because something needs to change, right? Something needs to change. And you guys know what I'm saying. So, oh, this doesn't, you know, I'm not interested in that. I'm just going to get past it because it doesn't have to do with the game tonight or this text that I'm waiting on or this party that I'm going to or, you know, whatever it is that's going past three or four, maybe minutes, (laughs) right, is not important to any of us because, we have to think too much about it, right? That's kind of that's kind of scary um, because we start to believe certain things that are half true, and that's okay. Okay, half truths are okay to believe, but they're scary because you need to believe the right half of them. Okay, you always want to believe the right half of them, the true part. This is what this looks like. Okay, sitting in a high school class, I heard this from a school teacher, and he showed a movie of. Uh, like a World War II movie, okay? Um, and it was a video. Like it wasn't like a like a it wasn't like we were soldiers or anything like that. It was like a video of, of post World War II, okay? So what's true? World War II ended when? Okay, sweet. So you could even say it's true that it ended in the forties, correct? It's not true that it ended in the fifties. Right? Okay. There we go. Okay. Um just wanted to establish that. So they're sitting in class. The teacher shows this video. I'm thinking it's probably 1946, 1947. This is what the world looks like after World War II. They get back to work, all this stuff, right? And this kid's watching it, and he's, like, sitting in the back. This is not me. I wish it was, but this is not me. And he's sitting in the back, and he's, like, he's like waiting for it to be over. You know, you got that TV. They roll it in, and then you're just, like, you're, like, pumped about being in class that day. So they, they turn it off. The lights come on. And he's like, he's, like, so interested in saying this. He's, like, hey, 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 hey. You know, miss, miss. This is what I used to do. And uh, and he says, oh, hey, that, that video is fake. And they're like, <laughs> the teacher's just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 that, it's a documentary. He's like, no, 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 that, that video is fake. Come on. We, I, I, can y'all not see this? This video is so fake. There's no way that you don't realize this. And the teacher's like, look, what are you talking about? And he goes, did you see what was in the video? That couldn't be real. There were dogs in that video, and dogs weren't invented or weren't invented until the 80s. Promise, y'all, this happened in the classroom. And the teacher's like, "Dogs weren't invented until the 80s. What do you What do you mean?" And and he's like, "Yeah, I I heard that. Like, I'm pretty sure I heard that on TV that dogs weren't invented until the 80s. Okay, that's scary. All right, that is very very scary. If you are in that 
school of thought that dogs were not invented till the 80s, please come talk to me after this. I have proof. There is substantial proof against that. But this is just proving what it looks like when we take truth from anywhere, okay? When we don't think deeply, when we just accept truth for what it is as, ah, yeah, I heard this on TV once. That's a credible source. I mean, it could have been like Cartoon Network. You know what I'm saying? Like, this, is, this isn't necessarily a credible source. It's just was said to them. And so when we hear claims or statements or anything like that, make sure you guys are thinking and evaluating them, okay? Critically going through what that could mean. And then the last thing about truth is it has to be absolute, okay? There can't be, regarding that, dogs couldn't be invented in the 80s or they could. It's, 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 it's either true or it's not. They weren't. The World War II ended in the 40s or it didn't, okay? Either it's still going on or it's not. There's no, there's no like, ah, oh, well, dogs, yeah, some dogs were invented in the 80s or if you think dogs are invented in the 80s, then maybe they were. You know, like there's, there's just, there has to be like common ground where you come and you say, look, this is what's true and this is what's not. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. Sweet. Um, so we say, we say this. It's a, it's a simple statement, but it's very important. We say intent is prior to content. Okay? Intent is prior to content. Probably doesn't mean that much to you right away, but I'm going to explain it. Um, your attitude towards truth in this, in this instance, when we're, when we're approaching religion, when we're approaching worldviews, all these things, your attitude towards truth will determine <coughs> excuse me, whether or not you are able to find it. Okay, Your attitude towards it. And it's kind of like, wait, what are you talking about? Well, you can't really find something if you're not looking for it. Okay, if you if you say, well, you know, I, I, I'm looking for this thing and it comes up, then you'll probably recognize it. But if you're looking for, if you're not looking for something and even if it pops up, you didn't even know you're looking for it in the first place. So your intent is prior to what you find. Okay. This is a this is a pretty crazy story. Did, have any have any of y'all read? I don't know why I keep talking about high school. I feel like I'm really excited about it. But uh, have any of y'all read Brave New World? Okay, super cool book, right? Really weird. Oh, yeah, super weird. It challenged me so much in high school. Um, I wasn't a big reader of school books. I really love to read, but not the books they gave me in school. But this book was so crazy to me. It was weird. It was against what I believe, but I was like, well, well maybe, maybe this is true. You know what I'm saying? So the guy that wrote it, his name's Aldo Huxley. Acclaimed author. Wait. Uh, acclaimed author, philosopher, and big time stoner. Okay, this is what he was. This is what he was about. So when he first went to college, he went to the school in Eton, England. Okay, everybody's heard of that of that town, right? Okay, right. That's what I figured. Um, so here's what he did. He he went to college, and I'm not really sure about his life prior to that. Um, but he was faced with these. He he went to college, and he was like, "This is." awesome right i have freedom i can live however i want i can do whatever i want i can act any way that i want this is amazing like why did i never come to, if you guys want to go to eaton i guess that's what it's about because that's what he found he was like i can literally live any life that i want to live 
and and he was like going crazy right um and so he he loved it and so he he continued to live this way until he ran into one obstacle okay this obstacle was he basically had to realize excuse me he he had to compensate essentially his life or the existence of god okay whether that was the christian god whether that was the muslim god whether that was any god he said okay if there is a god in existence i he's bigger than i am he has to be good and i can't continue living the life that i want to live okay not because of anything he knew he just realized that the existence of god alone constituted him not living his life for himself anymore because because he realized like the worth of god okay and so this is what he did he was faced with this decision that's a pretty hard decision i've been there okay that's a that's a pretty common decision um and so what he did is he said i don't want to say that i believe there's a god because i want to keep on living the way that i want to live okay does that make sense? So this man's intent is to what? It's not necessarily to find truth, but it's to live the way that live the life that he wants to live. And what what's he going to find? Whatever he wants, right? His pursuit is no longer for truth, it's for pleasure. Okay? And he said this, he admitted, he said this is like the craziest quote I've ever seen. I think it's going to be up here. It says, "Facts do not cease to exist because they are ignored." Okay? Facts do not cease to exist because they are ignored. And then soon after that, he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you mad. And every time I read anything by Aldo Huxley, I got to read it in an English accent, right? That's because that's how I see him. But so when I think about that, I don't think he's saying the truth will make you angry. I think he says, if you continue to live this way, mad, if you ever watch knowing by this English, what does that mean? Yeah. Right. It makes you it drives you crazy. The truth, you shall know the truth and the truth will drive you crazy if you keep living that way. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. So, like I said, I've been in this position. I'm sure you guys are there. What can you say to a man like that? He he knows what's true. He's discovered truth. But he he decides to say that it's not there so that he can continue to live the, li- the life he wants to live, right? Okay. We have to continually ask ourselves, do I want truth? Am I more interested in my seek, my seeking truth, which is really popular? Say, oh, I'm seeking truth, yeah. You know, it's really popular to say. But finding truth is, is a lot different, okay? Finding truth means that there's an end in sight, that there's something that you can actually find. So for the rest of the night, I want to challenge you guys to ask, do I want to find truth? Because that might mean what what Aldo Huxley found out, okay? Do I want to find truth? I cannot change y'all's intent. I can't change how you approach truth. I can't exchange I can't change how you respond to truth, but I can present you guys with what Christianity claims to be true and I really hope you guys like have an like basically have an open mind. Does that make sense? Cool. So let's move on. Sweet. So I'm going to use one verse out of the book of John, um, which is a book in the Bible. The Bible is full of 66 books, and there's one called John. Okay? 
John 14, 6 says this. Oh, yes, Sean, you're the man. Um, said Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. Okay? That's, all, that's the only Bible verse I'm basically going to talk about. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay? So this is written in uh, first century Palestine by a guy named John who spent most of his life with Jesus or devoting his life to spreading what Jesus did. Okay? That's who he is. He was actually, he was pretty much Jesus' best friend. Okay? Um, and so he wrote this book in order to show what um, he believed and who he believed Jesus was. And so it was originally written in Greek, and I do not read or speak Greek. I can, however, sound out some of the words because I know what Greek letters sound like. It's not that hard. If you look at a frat or sorority, it's really not that hard um, because they have Greek letters, right? It's not, it's not like <laughs> whatever. Okay, so even Chi Alpha. Okay. So here's what it says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? A lot of people would say, okay, yeah, I believe that. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? He's a way. Okay? Greek says a way. It doesn't say the way. Right? Yes. That's true. Okay? If you, if that was it, and it just said I am a way, the truth, and the life, you got me. Okay? But the second part of his statement no one comes to the Father except through me. Tells me that he is the only way. Okay? He is the only way. And this is what we're talking about tonight. This is what Christianity believes. This is what they claim. We look at this. This is a truth statement. We call this a claim of Christ. <clears throat> of something that he declares, if X is true, then Y is not. Okay? If X is true, if I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, then all other paths either lead away from me or to me, okay? But I'm still the only way, okay? Y'all tracking with me a little bit? All right. So Jesus' statement here is a truth claim. It is exclusive. He's not saying, hey, come check me out. He's not saying, hey, I am a way. Any other way you're on is okay. He's like, hey, come follow me. I'm the way. All right? That's what he's saying. And this is what's cool. This is why I mentioned that a second ago. Um, but just if you, if you really are here and you're seeking to find what truth really means and you found things that just don't add up, that's okay. All right? That's okay. Because just as you like would be following a GPS um, and you look up and it says turn left and you're like, this doesn't feel right. And you look up and you're and it says like dead end. OK. You know, that's not the right way, but it's going to point you somewhere else. OK, does that make sense? So if you're like making a list of beliefs or religions or all these things that you may or may not want to adhere to, may or may not have any belief in. Some of those are useful because you can at least check them off. Does that make sense? You can say, okay, well, this doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not going to go back to that one. All right? So that's, that's real. I mean, anything that's going to point you towards truth 
and you find something that is definitely not true is helpful. So you're not you're not wasting your time. You're not going towards something, and then you find out it's a dead end. Just turn right back around and keep looking towards like the last thing that you found to be true. Okay, so in this sing- single claim, Jesus does four big things. This is crazy. Um, in this book of John, Jesus essentially sets up a four like four walls <laughs> of defense around himself. And he says, he says four things, and these are four defenses against attacks that had either come before, this is the first century, like I said, first century Palestine. Religions, worldviews that had attacked it before or that would come after, okay? This is pretty crazy. Um, and so th- I'm just going to go through them real quick. First one is there's only one way to God feel like I've belabored that, but it's a big deal, okay? Uh, it's a really big deal. And I think this is a question that, I mean, if we're honest, like everybody asks, okay? Um, is there more than one way? Is Jesus Could Jesus be the only way, okay? This challenges, primarily this challenges the Hindu idea that there are many ways to God, okay? And not only is that Hindu, that's pretty, pretty typical for most people today, okay? Um, a lot, I, a lot of people would say, it's arrogant to say that your religion is superior and try to converse, convert everyone else to it. It's arrogant, okay? Yes, this is true. It is arrogant if it's not true, okay? If this is true, then this is not arrogance. It's loving, it's unselfish, it's compassionate, okay? Would it be arrogant if I asked you, Brooklyn, because you're looking at me, uh, if I asked you, would it be arrogant if you had the if you had the cure not just leukemia but to all cancer? If you had that cure, would it be arrogant to say that this this will this will do it if it really did? No. Okay. It's it's a cure. This cure actually works. It cures all cancers. Okay. Would it be arrogant if I had that to say, hey, this is this is not only going to end a lot of basically suffering that has to do with anybody who has any form of cancer, but I have the cure, and inf- and I want you to promise me that you will not sell it, but I want you to give it away for free, okay? It's free. And finally, my only condition to give this to you, I don't know how I'm giving this to, CDC, whatever. Um, my only condition to give this to you is that you never tell anybody who I am. It's not very arrogant, okay? That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the only way to God. We cannot, if you look at this, like I said, this is why I set all this truth stuff up in order to like move into religion. You can't, you can't have a God who's dual-natured, okay? God has to be either personal or impersonal, loving or apathetic towards man, okay? He has to either be true, full of truth or full of lies, he can't be both. All religions cannot be equally right about the nature of God. All religions cannot be right about the nature of God. Tim Keller says this. I don't think there's a slide for it, but it's a sweet quote. It's really honest. And it's really humble, too. If Christians are right about Jesus being God, then Muslims and Jews fail in a serious way to love God as God really is. But... If Muslims and Jews 
are right that Jesus is not God, but rather a teacher or a prophet, then Christians fail in a serious way to love God as God really is. Okay? We can't all be right. Does that make sense? Okay. So, moving on. The second one, the second major defense that Jesus puts up is God is the author of life and meaning of life lies in coming to him. This challenges the Buddhist or naturalistic idea that the meaning of life can be found either in oneself or in nature or the universe. Okay? Jesus says there's a meaning to life, and I know what it is. And I can show you what it is. The third one, he claims to be the son of God. (laughs) This challenges the Islamic claim that God cannot have a son, and no one can consider themselves equal with God. Okay, Islam came out about 700 years after uh, Jesus said this. That's pretty crazy. And the fourth one and last one is in this one verse. He claims that we can personally know God and have access to him and his truth. That we can, even though God is infinite, we can understand his truth. This challenges the agnostic or other beliefs That even if there is a God, he is certainly impersonal. He surely cannot be known and has no interest in me. Okay? Sweet. So, looking at this one verse, can I study the rest of the life of Jesus and see that these things are more than just a claim? Can they be proven through his life? Did Jesus do anything to prove what he said? Okay? I think the answer is yes. Um... I think he did, um, and that's why that's why I'm talking about this stuff tonight. Um, that's why I think Christianity can claim not just because if X is true, then Y is not, but if you look at his life and you study his life, fully truth, not just what I heard. Oh yeah, this I heard this once. I heard this once, but you actually study a book written about him, his biography, honestly, then I think you'll be able to see that things line up. Okay, and that's why we're gonna have Q and A, but. Remember those questions at the beginning? Okay. This one is basically just going to have to do with the question of morality. Um, how should I live? And uh, and there's two ways that you can look at it, okay? You can draw it from... Yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet. Um, you can draw it from what... You can either find truth in what you do or who you are, okay? What you do or who you are. All right, I'm going to look at the first one. What you do. That's morality. How should I live? Why can't I just be a good person? Right? Why can't I just, hey, look, I'm not a murderer. I haven't been to jail. Maybe I have, but I haven't been in jail that long. You know what I'm saying? Um, Or any of these other thoughts that we have. Hey, at least I'm not like this person over here. Have you even met my my roommate? You know, (laughs) no one could be that filthy and deserve anything. Like, at least I'm not like them. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is this may be real thought you have thought. Um, but Jesus said he is the life, okay? He is the standard for living that God looks at, okay? The worst sin in the Bible that, that a man can commit is rejecting his son, okay? Is rejecting his son. Um, which is kind of funny. If I think about that, if, my, if like, someone rejected my son, to my, my 
me to my dad, I'd be like, oh, that totally makes sense. Like, <laughs> if if someone, like, went up to my dad and started talking crap about me, my dad get, might get mad, but he's probably like, yeah, you're right. Charles probably shouldn't have said that or done that. You know what I'm saying? But when what what happens with God is that he had a, he had a blameless son. He had a spotless son. And so when you reject him, that's like that's like having an actually good son, unlike me, um, that you would talk bad to their dad about, okay? This is probably... This is probably the hardest obstacle to overcome when it comes to seeking truth in Christianity because it means that you don't have to do anything. Okay? It means you don't have to do anything. It means that what there is to do has already been done. Christianity claims that you, man, cannot do enough, cannot live well enough, give enough, love enough, be compassionate enough, in order to make God favor them. That's what they say. That always rubs me the wrong way because I want to be good at something. Okay? I really want to be good at something. But Christianity says you'll never be good enough. It's really hopeful, right? (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) But it's okay. It says you'll never be good enough. But guess what? Someone's already done this. Someone has already lived the life you should have lived and died the death that you deserved in order to make you right with God. However you want to say that. Okay? So, what I do, if I find truth in what I do, that's basically what Christianity is going to say. Okay? If you find truth in who you are, that's exhausting. But I've also done this. Um, who are you? Where do you find your value? Okay. Where do you find your value? We call this what? Identity, right? Identity. What is my identity? Um, do you find your identity in your accomplishments, in your major, in your grades, what you will do eventually? (laughs) I'm nothing until I become an RN or I'm nothing until I work for this job or I get this intern, right? I'm nothing or I, I identify myself as what my beliefs are or my political views or the rights that I stand up for. That's who I am, right? Identity is a major issue for all of us. And Jesus also addresses this. He calls his disciples, like this guy John that wrote this book, he called him his friend and he called him his brother. Okay? There's only one person. I say brother all the time. I don't know why. Um... But there's only one person that I can truthfully call my brother. Okay? His name is David Sombrio. He's my brother. And he he's the only person. You know, everybody else is my brother. Right? Brandon? You know what I'm saying? But all he's the only person that I can say is my brother. Right? Because we what? We have what constitutes your brother? What constitutes your sister? Yes. And dad. Right? Yeah. Same parents. Right? Blood. That's a perfect way to say it. Super easy. Okay. David and I have the same parents, okay? If I call him my brother, I'm also saying you are a part of my family. You have the same parents as me, okay? When Jesus did this, he equated his friends to his family. And he said, you, if I'm the son of God, then you are a son of God, right? It's pretty weird. I feel like if someone actually told me that, um, like then I'd be like, oh, Okay, like I wouldn't know the implications of what that meant. But the easiest way I can think of it 
is if I want to say, oh, look, here's who I am, Charles Sombrio. I'm this, this, these are my accomplishments. I graduated this year with this major and this minor, right? Got these grades, got this GPA. I got this award for running track in high school, right? Like all this stuff. Does that make up who I am? Maybe. But here's the deal. Anything that I say, yes, all that stuff is true, okay? But anything that I say of that is basically lessening um, or my true identity comes from, okay? If I am married, there's my wife right there. Katie, she's in the front row. She's awesome. Super sweet. I do not call myself Katie's boyfriend anymore, okay? I'm not like, hey, guys, welcome to my house. I'm her boyfriend. Uh, Thank you for coming. That would be so weird, right? Because it's like lessening the commitment. It's lessening the relationship that we have. No, I said, that's my wife. I'm a marrier. I say no to everybody else. I'm going to say yes to her, and that's it, okay? This is like a commitment level that's real. She is my family, okay? Same thing with this whole idea of identity. If we identify as Christians, in, in the faith of Christianity, you are identified by what family you're a part of, okay? You, you are identified as being a son of God, okay? So, that's pretty much it. Um, I will start off the Q&A by asking my own question. Can I do that? Sweet. Okay. Probably everybody's going to ask this, so I figure I just knock it out. Um, aren't all religions fundamentally the same and superficially different? Okay, aren't all religions at the base just about God, just about what you should and should, like a list of rules, right? Aren't they all the same? And superficially, we'll call God Yahweh. We'll call God Allah. We'll call God Krishna. We'll call God light. We'll call God whoever, right? Like <laughs> spaghetti monster. What all this stuff is, right? Like there's, there's all types of religions, but aren't they all the same? Or, and aren't they just like fundamentally the same? If you just follow it, then you get to the you get to the base, you're good to go. So there's a guy, Ravi Zacharias says, the opposite is more like it. All religions are fundamentally different and superficially similar. Okay, they're fundamentally worlds apart, superficially similar. They, yes, they all answer these questions. Origin, meaning, morality, destiny. Yes, they all have, n- not true, they they all either deal with the universe, God, or both, right? Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you take the most basic, purest form of any religion, and you look at its, its foundations, and you look at its roots, they will not add up to any other religion. They will be very, very different from all the other ones. Okay? This is what it looks like. In Christianity, if you look at Islam, Hinduism, and Christianity. Okay? Islam and Hinduism, they have a similar, superficially, similar thought of this. Man will pay his debt. Okay? Man will pay his debt. And this actually... Makes a lot of sense. Um, You could say, oh, yeah, well, I did a bunch of bad stuff, so I deserve to pay for it, right? No one here is probably going to argue with that. Probably want to get out of it, but that's what they say. You either, either, at the end of your life, you stand before Allah, and you say, here's my heart, weigh it against 
all of my bad actions. These are my good actions weighed against my bad actions. If they outweigh, if your good outweighs the bad, you get to go to paradise. Okay? But you did that. You paid your debt. Does that make sense? See where I'm going? Okay. Hinduism, um, with reincarnation, you guys have heard of that? Um, you, you incur a debt throughout your whole life, and then as you are reborn, you pay that debt into whatever life you're going to live after that. So you pay your own debt, okay? Christianity is one of the only religions that says you can't pay your own debt, so don't even try. You have to accept redemption from someone else to pay this for you, okay? Fundamentally, very different. Superficially, you could say they're similar. Does that make sense? Okay. Christianity says, um, you look at this, there's another story in the in the first four books of the New Testament called the Gospels. That's little books that are pretty much Jesus' biography. Um, and there's a story where Jesus tells a story of a son who um, is kind of a brat. And he says, hey, look, Dad, I wish you're as good as dead to me. I want you to give me my inheritance now, and I'm leaving you for the rest of my life. Okay, and so he does. The dad does it, and he gives him the uh, gives him the money, and the son goes out and he spends all the money real quick. Um, it says he squandered it, so he probably spent it on like stuff that didn't really matter that much, like Cheetos, Burger King. You know what I'm saying? It's good, but not worth it. Um, and so he ends up, and he's working among pigs. Okay, that sounds disgusting to us, but to the like back then in that culture. That made you worthless. You couldn't even touch other people after you worked with pigs for like a week. Okay? That's crazy. And he's sitting there and he's like bummed out. And he's like, I wasted all that stupid money. It was not worth it. And he's like, starts to get jealous of these pigs because at least they have something to eat. It's not a good place to be. And he says, even the servants in my father's household have better food to eat than this. Even the servants in my father's household have better food to eat than this. And here's what he does. He gets up. He's like, you know what? I'm going to do something about this. So he goes home. This is so cool. Um, So the father's like waiting for him outside. And he runs to him because he sees him coming up. And that is like not a thing back then. In this culture, a father who has been wished dead would not run to his son who said that like evil thing to him basically. And so he runs to him and he says, Hey, we're throwing a party for you. Get all this stuff. You are my son. And that's what this looks like. There's redemption here. There's forgiveness. This is the only religion that really talks about forgiveness. But it's the only religion that talks about redemption and says, you know what? I don't care what you did. I don't care who you are. You are my son. And I want you to live differently. I care about you. Okay? And so that's 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 kind of different. Does that make sense for the fundamental and superficial thing? Okay, cool. Um, then yeah, uh, we can start. Okay, so what's going to happen is we're going to do Q and A, and so um, we're going to stay on the topic of the exclusivity of Christianity, right? And we will ask, uh, we're going to have one question per person for now, okay? And so I will be over here, Taylor will be on that side, and we will hold the mic for you just to make sure uh, we can get it recorded for later on, okay? So if you have a question, go ahead and come up. 
Hi. Hello. Um, so if God is infinite and omnipotent and he wants to reach as many people as possible, um, why would he only show himself through one form and personification through Jesus? Good question. Um, okay, so God God did this this way in order to give man a purpose. Okay? We talked about meaning. And so this is kind of like where it's easy to be like, God, why didn't you just like show up as a, you know, a golden angel in New York City, right? Times Square, where everybody would see you and believe you. This is a great question, by the way. Um, and what he does is he says, look, man's important to me, right? I, he, I, I'll even give my son for him so that, that, that I can know him. And he gave man this purpose to, um, to basically go and obey what Jesus himself said. He said, go into all nations, teaching others about me, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? All nations. He didn't say, hey, man, stick it out in Morgantown, live, live a good life, right? He said, you need to go, okay? And so what happened? Some people did, some people didn't, okay? And I think the deal that's kind of tough is is taking on that responsibility and saying, oh, yeah, well, it's easier to, like, sometimes it's easier to blame God for stuff and then sometimes it's easier to blame man for stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, just depending on what it is. But I think when it comes to this, God was like, okay, this will be, I can't just do this by myself. And, and, and so many people throughout the gospel said, hey, can't you just show us a sign? Can't you just, can't you just like do something like levitate or, you know, whatever. And, and he's like, look, even if I did that, it would only matter maybe for today. Okay. But if you go ahead and you, and you start believing this and you obey me and you, and you begin to love me, right. And believe that you're a ch- my child, then you're going to, it's going to be hard for you not to tell other people, you know what I mean? And yeah, and so I think, I mean, it's a deeper relationship when he said, look, I want you to do this instead of I'm just going to do it myself. Does that make sense? And so it would be way easier in a sense to say, oh, well, yeah, just just show up, you know, levitate for 20 minutes and then I'll get all my friends to come there and we'll be good to go, right? But honestly, that doesn't make any type of relationship. And God's purpose for man is to pursue him. He wants, he wants to know, he wants not only to know us, but he wants us to know him. And if he just showed up, it's like, cool. You know what I mean? And so I think like a big deal with God's character is that he really does like, he cares about us. Um, and this is, like you said, I think you're right, like right on like a personal God who's knowable is like really strange thought. But when we know him and we really do take him seriously, then we kind of, it's, it's, it, we're faced with that that responsibility again where it's okay i'm either in or i'm out you know what i'm saying and so i think i'm pretty sure that's why he did it because it, yeah it's it could be you know he could have just had like a triceratops like fly through and be like oh jesus is lord right like it's he could have done that but he chose to do it this way and i think it i'm not gonna be like oh well no one knows why because i think it makes all the sense in the world we can know him and because of that he said hey look i'm gonna trust you and i want you 
to make this happen. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to do my part, right? And now you have a responsibility to do too. Does that make sense? Yes? Okay, cool. This is more, I think, going off of what um, Hattie was saying because I've had a similar question. I like more so on um, why he chose, if he wanted to reach all people, then why isn't like every religion, like why isn't that a correct, like why can't they get to God through that? And I guess just commenting on that, something that has, I've like come to and learned, I think it, and like tell, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it boils down to the fact that like we live in a broken world and there's sin. And so with that, truth is able to be twisted and you know if every single religion if god did like correctly show himself through all of the religions so any religion could be then where would like our choice be and the whole point is like he wants us to like choose him and that would also make that claim invalid if jesus says like this like i am jesus who in other religions like christianity is the only religion that Jesus claims like to be God other religions like don't believe that and so if that is like truth then if God presented himself correctly like in other religions where they could get that way it would go against like what the Bible says if that makes sense I was just commenting on that because I think she meant more so like why if God could reach so many people like why doesn't he just like show himself in all the religions so that everybody could like you know what I mean, like, get to, like, heaven and to the Lord, um, and he totally, you know, he could, he could do anything, but he chose to do it that way, does that make sense? I was just, like, commenting off that, because I think that was more so what she, like, was wondering. Was it, Hattie? Okay. Okay. Yeah, so more so, like, why, if God could reach, (coughs) wants to, like, get everybody to know him, then why, is like, why didn't he just show himself in all of the religions in a correct way? And I think it, do you know what I mean? Like, why is Christianity the only one? I yeah. think that's what she meant more so. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I kind of get what you're asking. Um, do you mean, why didn't God make all of them just like equally legitimate? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So why can't I just be like a great you know yeah so essentially yeah. Else. why didn't why couldn't you be islam yeah. but yeah, still yeah, get yeah. okay like, I, I mean i think it just goes back to truth um and the exclusivity of truth itself is that is that god <laughs> god's nature is a certain way um and whether or not you say it is or not that doesn't change it okay and if you look at his nature in christianity Versus his nature in um, another religion, uh, let's say Islam, God's nature in Christianity is that he is personal and that he and that he's is basically personal versus impersonal. And so in that, the truth being his knowing God isn't just an arbitrary thing it's saying okay i know who god is and this is his character and this is like this is the truth about him now if i say that's something else if i say oh well this chair is just as much god as is you know the god i believe in well that's just not true you see what i'm saying 
And so it's not that there's like a, yeah, it'd be cool. <laughs> if if everything was all about man, if everything was all about me, then anything that I believe is okay, sweet. But what happens when you when you go down that road? Well, you go you go a lot of different places. You, I mean, we've seen it through society. We've seen it through certain religions. I mean, there's a lot of questions about peace, religions, and peace. You go down those roads. You say, okay, well, hey, it's close enough. Is it? If if this is if this is like eternity, and if this is origin, meaning, morality, and destiny, destiny, is it worth is it worth basing like, oh, well, I guess it's all the same. When it, when if you actually look at it, it's not. And so if you say a religion is like a broad general statement, then you're kind of missing it. But if you say, oh, well, why why isn't it compared to this one? Well, it's because of the nature of God and the nature of the way that he interacts with man or the way that he doesn't interact with man or, the, or his existence or any of those things, any of those beliefs are going to contradict somewhere. And so with Christianity, I'm saying it's like it's the only one that's like that backs itself up. And it says, "Oh, okay. Well, well, this is what this is the nature of God, and doesn't contradict itself. Other, you know, other religions would contradict themselves. Um, Christianity doesn't. Uh, Christianity displays what truth is, and then it goes goes ahead from there. It doesn't it doesn't make up for anything. It doesn't hide anything. You read the Bible, and there's like <laughs> there's like some really messed up stuff going on. Um, you read it and you're like, wow, I can't believe this person got chopped up into 12 different pieces and mailed around the country. But it did. And and why isn't this, like, why is this true versus this? It's like, I mean, to me, it, it makes sense because if you're, if you're saying it's true, you're not going to be like, oh, yeah, it was awesome. Everything was always perfect. Because anybody that's seen anything in life is, is going to discount that, you know? So does that help? Okay. Gotcha. D- does that help? Cool. Side note, guys. If you do have a question, just like they have, if you could continue standing here so that Charles could talk to you specifically, that'd be awesome. Instead of going back to your seat. All right, good job, ladies. So, uh, most archaeologists believe that uh, a lot of religions started up uh, in the uh, 50,000 to 20,000 BC, um, and the uh, Abrahamic religions, uh, so uh, like the Jewish, us, and uh, Muslim, all started around 6,000 BC, uh, like 10 to si- ten to 6,000 BC. Uh, if this is the one true religion, why did it take so long to start? That's a good question. That's a good question. That's a question I've never thought of before. Um... I would say that let me think that is a good question okay, I would say this the Bible itself is a is a history of God re- revealing himself to man, so whether or not you take whatever date. Right. Um, going from that forward, you could say, OK, well, God revealed himself at the very beginning okay, to Adam and Eve and their children and their children. OK. It's it's not a it's not a like collective history book. It's where God decided to start interacting with man himself. 
and it doesn't it doesn't talk how he interacted with every man <laughs> it goes like a lot you know it jumps a lot and you're like well what happened to these guys they must not have been that important but they probably were and i've thought about that even now like dang do you think god like do you think any of these guys ever learned anything or do you think they just had everything figured out well i think it's it's god's this is the book of god's interaction with israel only doesn't talk about god's interaction necessarily with other arabs that um there's a there's a king um called melchizedek um in the old testament i don't remember what book first samuel i think and he says it says he no 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 sorry um and it says that he knew god but he was not in israel so God interacted with people other places, just like he does now. And so I, I, I'm guessing I'm guessing that's probably why, is because this isn't just like a summary of, of all of God's, man, God's interaction with man only. It's, it's his story of Israel and the, and the strategy that he had using Israel, where Jesus came from, in order to redeem all of mankind. And so it's kind of, I guess you could say, <laughs> in essence, like a highlight reel of his strategy in um, destroying the works of the devil, seeking and seeking and saving lost people, and revealing who God is Himself. And so, I think I think that's probably why. But that is a great question. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. Okay, this is more of like a question about the like it goes with exclusivity exclusivity of Christianity. And I've met a lot of people that, you know, they believe in God and they say, I believe in God and I believe that there's a higher being, whatever. Yeah. But why if God loves us so much, this is a question I've encountered from other people and I don't always know how to answer it, would be why are there so many rules? For me to follow if God wants me to love him so much like I've encountered that from like people who like I love to party but why does God like hate that and I'm just wondering yeah no, that's a great question um do you know how many rules there are zero or one just asking yes I don't okay cool um yeah it's it's two okay, okay? um Jesus, yes, in the law, if we went back to Old Testament only, then, like I said, if you touch a pig, can't touch a person. If you are a nurse, sorry, you can't really be around anybody ever without being kicked out of the town for like six or seven days, okay? Because you work with dead bodies, sick bodies, right? Okay, if you look, this is going to be a short answer because the long answer is awesome. I'll give you the long answer. Those rules are rules for people, okay? Those rules are rules for man. God created this species of people that didn't know anything. They didn't start out, oh, you know what? If I touch a rotted corpse and then I touch my baby, everything's fine, right? Honestly, like that's, that's a rule. Oh, I've been working with this leper all day today, and then I went home and hugged my mom, and now she's sick, right? Like this is, these are like real things okay so when you look at those rules like the law in the old testament they're just rules that god gave this is such a good question 
Those are rules that God gave in order to keep man <laughs> alive, honestly, as a species of people so that they didn't degrade their gene pool by mating with their close relatives, right? So that everybody was walking around with deformities or low, you know what I'm saying? Like that could have happened, but he said, don't do that. And then he gave the 10 commandments and he shortened all that law into 10 rules. I mean, if you look at the 10 commandments, they're really easy. Okay. They really are because here's what the deal is with the 10 commandments. They're just rules for friendship. If you came over and I said, Hey, Julia thought so. You come into my house, <laughs> uh, and, and I say, hey, Julia, welcome to my house. Hey, I got a couple requests. Um, first of all, don't steal anything, okay? Um, I just, I don't, I mean, you can, if you want something, ask, but just let me know, okay? Also, uh, I have some other friends here with us. If you could refrain from killing them, that would be cool, too, Okay? Also, um, I really realize that you may like my kind of junky car, but if you spend your entire life hating me because you really want my car, we're probably going to have some issues, okay? Don't covet, okay? These are rules for friendship. God wants to pursue man. So he gave 10 rules that said, this is how we're going to be friends. This isn't something that I'm saying you have to do that I'm not going to live up to. It's something that we both live up to so that we can live in peace. Okay? So, that's pretty easy. And then Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. It's not a lot of rules to live by. Okay? If you love your neighbor as yourself, you will treat them way better than you treat yourself. Okay? And if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, that's where I think we kind of get into this idea of that Christianity is full of rules. Okay? And that, that makes sense. If you read the first six books of the Bible, you'll probably get bored, and you'll probably want to read something else because it's all rules. That's okay. Keep fighting through. The reason I did it is because I was like, I hate this. Why are there all these stupid rules? They don't matter. But it, and then I realized what it was, is God loved man so much that he said, look, I want you to survive, and I'm going to show you how. It's pretty crazy. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Got it. Right? Easy. When they're mean to me, whatever, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the hard part, okay? And that is what changes everything. What Hattie asked is so important because... If you just know a God, if you just have this idea of a light or a God or a higher power, like you said, I don't know what that means, but if you think about that, then you can't know it. But if God's a person, okay, then you, then you can know him and you can be friends with him. And yeah, that's going to that's gonna mean that you have a responsibility to not just, he said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If you love me, you'll be my friend. Okay? It's not that hard because it says, if you love me, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll obey my commandments. In order to love me, <laughs> we have to be friends in the first place. Right? And so, I think I'm talking in circles a little bit, but does that make sense? So, there's, it's not a lot of rules. It's a relationship. And that's the difference. If a personal God can be known, 
and we know him and we love him and we say, look, thank you for whatever. I want to express my friendship or my love or whatever you want to call it through obedience, through giving you everything, through whatever. There's a difference. Does that make sense? And it it doesn't cost nothing. It doesn't cost nothing. It does cost a lot. But it's not a list of rules. Okay? Cool. Yeah. As a Christian, this is something I've always wondered about. I yeah. I've, I know Christ my Savior, but the one thing I've always wondered, back in the New, the Old Testament, when he had Noah build the ark and he brought the flood down upon the earth, why did God not use that as a chance to possibly, or without any of the opportunities he had throughout time, to remake everything and, and vanquish sin then? Why did he decide to wait until Jesus came? That's a great question. What's your name? Jonathan. Jonathan. Cool. Yeah. Um, so here's why I think. Okay. Noah, right? Um, Noah was found righteous. He had a relationship with God. And so for him to destroy Noah, for God to destroy Noah at that instant, I I don't think that would be... I don't think that's, like, in God's character, okay? He could do it physically. <laughs> he could have not told him and then f- and flooded him out. But instead of that, he chose to give man, not all man, man a second chance. Does that make sense? you have a follow-up? I guess what I'm wondering is why did he not... I know, like, so like, I knew Noah was righteous. I knew he was. Yeah. But why did he not then bring Noah and them up into heaven and just, he had different opportunities throughout life where oh, yeah. I knew there was, he destroyed an entire city but saved one soul there. Why did he not use any opportunities he had to bring those that were righteous into heaven and remake everything and start fresh then is what I'm kind of wondering. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's the, I think it's kind of addressing, um, Similar kind of what I answered at the very beginning where man is God's method to reach man. He could have pulled him up into heaven, but that wasn't his method. He wanted Noah to go out, and instead of doing that, he's like, look, this guy's righteous. I know him. Go ahead and, and keep doing what you're doing. So I think I think maybe strategically, it, <laughs> from our perspective, it might have looked a little bit different. But to him, he was like, this is this is the people that I... These are the people that I care about. And it's not just like, oh, yeah, come on up. You know, like, he's saying, like, hey, I want, you You got a second chance, now go do something with it. And he did, right? He did. So, yeah, I think I think that's it. Thank you. Yeah, that's a cool question. Hi. Hi. Hey. Um, 
So my question is, um, is belief alone enough to save you? Um, do you have to have like that relationship with God in order to like reach your salvation? Okay, cool. What, what do you mean belief alone? Um, like believing that Jesus died, um, for your sins. Like, so like, can you believe that and be like, all right, cool. So like, great. Now I can go do whatever I want. Or do you like, is that relationship required where you're like respecting God's love for you where he's like, um, I don't know. I, I've had I've had a few interesting conversations about this because like I view it as like it's like a marriage where like just because you know that your partner will forgive you for everything doesn't mean you should just be like I want to go sleep with everybody in the world and you didn't forgive me so it's gonna be cool. But like, do do you need that respect and like that relationship where like it's like a give and take, or can you just be like Yeah, I believe he died for my sins. It's cool. I'm good now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Makes sense. Good question. Um, I think you kind of answered it, but um. That's okay. Yeah, I uh, I do think so. Sean says this so incredibly well, and if I mess it up, please correct me. Um, this is this is like the standard um, idea of salvation. Okay, I said it earlier. The worst sin that you can commit is rejecting Jesus, God's Son. Okay, the best thing you can do as a Christian is accept Him, not accept like all right, come on. Like, like I, I'm accepting you. I think what you said is marriage is really cool because it says, I choose you and I'm rejecting all others. Okay. And when you say that, you say, no matter what this costs me, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how much it feels good, no matter, you know, whatever, I'm in this. Okay. And so what Sean says is, if you believe with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, he says, and confess, okay? If you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, correct? Okay. Um, The difference between profession and confession is if I'm sitting up here and Lauren, you accuse me of a petty crime, stealing this chalk. Okay, I'm always so extreme, so I had to throw a curveball. Um, stealing this chalk, and I'm like, but, okay, truth aside, all right? Aside as in theater. Truth, I did not steal it, okay? Somebody else did, or it was never stolen, okay? Back into it. You accuse me of that. I say, no, excuse me, I say, yes, I stole it, Okay? Is that true? No. Okay? So that's a profession of guilt. Okay? Backtrack. I did steal it. Okay? Back into it. You say, you stole it. I say, yes, I stole it. Is that true? Confession. See the difference? Profession is saying, Jesus, you are Lord. Master the king of my life. You make all the decisions from here on out. I accept what you did for me, and now my life is yours. But, right, I'm going to do me, okay? Profession, confession, say all that stuff, no but. Yes. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. So, I, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I think it all the Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, 
even even demons believe in Jesus. Okay. But they don't confess him as Lord. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was asked this recently. Can you be a Christian and not believe everything in the Bible is true? And also, so like, you can believe that there's truth in everything that the Bible has to say, but not believe that like, it literally is true. a good question um hmm. i don't know okay here's what i know i know intent is prior to content so where is that coming from you always want to find out the heart of something if someone says well i don't believe this is true especially when it comes to truth well can it be proven wrong is it illogical? Okay, you can prove things wrong a lot of ways. And so with the Bible, there's pretty much two main ways that you can either prove it right or prove it wrong. Okay, it's empirical evidence, which is touch, right? Okay, I can go to Israel. <laughs> I can go to Jerusalem. That's a city. Okay, that's I can prove that that's a city. Or logical, um, like cohesiveness. Okay, so... If it's a, if the Bible said, oh yeah, all frogs speak English. Sorry, all all frogs speak French, and all dogs speak English. Well, could you logically prove that? No. You see what I'm saying? And so, if you're looking at things in the Bible, there there's always questions. And this is this is a great question because it's super real. No matter where you're at, if you're seeking truth, or if you've already think if you think you've already found it, you're like, oh, I believe the Bible. I believe that. For five years now, and you read something, and you're like, oh, right? That doesn't add up. Okay, well, there's always, there's always got to be some reason um, for that. Whether it's like I've read something, and I was like, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. But it's because in my heart, I was like, well, God's guilty of something. And I was holding him guilty of not loving man the way that I thought that he should love man. Okay. But when I realized that he loved man in a much <laughs> bigger and greater way than I ever could understand, it changed my idea from him being guilty to him being innocent. Does that make sense? So, like, whenever you come across, it's just like different stories or different instances when the Bible comes across, I would, I would look into, like, each one of those things and saying, instead of saying, oh, well, you can't believe the Bible for, for being literal. You can't believe the Bible for being figurative. It's, it's either or like you, you can't you can't just say that and then take some of it without taking all of it because if you take yeah if you take Jesus's salvation on one end then you also have to take Jesus's like what happens when you reject him right you can't take just one or the other the Bible is comprehensive it talks about what happens if you do and it what talks about what happens if you don't it talks about if you choose God or if you don't choose God it talks about all these things and so if the Bible is comprehensive and it doesn't add up somewhere then I would ask someone what do you what are you looking for what do you mean does that make sense it's it's kind of very if it's not specific it's kind of hard to answer that question but I'm trying to give like a, like for me like the Tower of Babel okay it's in Genesis 10 or 11 and it's the story that God like confused all the languages of man because 
man was trying to build this stairway to heaven. And I was like, well, why would God even be mad about that? And so when I read that, it was like, well, this is stupid. <laughs> What's God's problem? And when you read it that way, I know better, okay? Then you're going to find all types of things that don't quite add up. But if you say, okay, why, why, like, how is this God's character that he would blank? Why would he be so upset that someone would build a stairway to heaven or at least try to? That's silly, right? Well, then you start to see, oh, it's because he, he understands who he is and he understands who man is. And if he allows man to continue to do what he's doing, then man will not understand who God is rightly. And so if you're looking, it's just, it's just going to depend on like what story you're looking at or what instance you're looking at or what sentence or, you know, verse or whatever, like it's going to, it's going to be case by case. But when you're reading the Bible, I would always suggest to assume God's innocence and look for real evidence, whether that's physical, empirical proof or like logical proof. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. We have time for one more question. Hey there, hey. I'm Mitch. Mitch? Yes. Cool. Uh, I want to ask, can we argue somebody into belief? That's a great question. I wish the answer was true. No, I don't think you can. I think you can present, like I said, I think you can present all you want. Um, I think you can show, I think you can have tons and tons of good answers and good rebuttals and all these things but if if the intent isn't there it's not you cannot change a man's heart it's it's up to god it's up to the man to choose to want to find truth if i am dead set on me not believing your name's mitch (laughs) and i believe that that shirt with all my heart i believe that shirt is red you can't change my mind whether or not i say it is whether or not whether or not it is or not you cannot change my mind. You could show me the fibers of it. You could show me what a red one looks like compared to that. It would look completely different. And I would still be able to say that I don't believe that because my intent is not looking to find truth. Does that make sense? Or, honestly, my intent is looking to find truth, and I haven't been. it hasn't been supported enough by something you said. And that's not always your fault, okay? And so I wouldn't be discouraged in a sense where you... They're like, oh, well, I, I said everything I could say, you know, um, to argue someone into, into believing a certain thing, a religion or whatever it is. You can't argue them, but you can show. And and that's if you if you don't argue and and then that's not the end. Does that make sense? Like you, you could argue all you want. You're you're blue in the face. You're done. You're like, well, that was a waste of my time they they are hopeless right that's not the right attitude it says you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure that this person knows that i'm being honest okay and that i'm not fighting just to fight i'm not fighting to make more numbers and you know whatever like um you know i've i've talked 30 people into this like you know what i'm saying your your intent needs to be out of love, compassion, and like I said, with that, with that cure, humility, humbleness, humility, and um, 
and just trusting that someone else can do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I have a follow-up question. Yeah. So we can't argue them into anything. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're kind of saying we can introduce the idea, but is there anything else we can do, or is that just it? Yeah. No, yeah. That's what a great question. Do? Yeah, I think uh, I think doing those things, whoever asked that question, it was so good. Um, they said, I completely lost my mind. Um what the heck? Okay, so basically, yes, there is more. Oh, I remember those two. Those two rules: love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, those are the things that you can do, because when you do those, there's no success rate, and there's no, you know, humility. Oh, I've been eighty percent humble today, so I'm like in good shape. You know, like it's not that. It's just saying, like, look, I trust God. If God loves man. And then he's going to reveal himself to someone. If not, if 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 they're able to be revealed too, and I think that's I think that was difficult for me um, in my search for truth was that I never, never. It took a long time for me to be able to re- to be revealed truth too. Does that make sense? I was shut up. I was closed off. I thought I knew everything. Okay, and so anything introduced to me did not make any difference. But when I spent time with someone who talked about Jesus as if he knew him, and I saw this guy's not full of crap. He's not weird. <laughs> he's not. He actually knows what he's talking about, not just about the Bible, but he, he also knows what he's talking about when it comes to baseball or something that I thought was important, right? As soon as that happened, I was instantly interested, for real, almost instantly, to where I was like, oh. Well, let me ask more questions. What do you, why, why, do you, why do you think this? Why do you think that? Oh, are you reading the Bible? I'll give it a shot. You know what I'm saying? But he never argued me. He never argued me. He'd be hard on me sometimes, and he'd ask me questions back. But it wasn't, it wasn't why are you so stupid? Why are you so thick-headed? It was always, hey, man, what do you think about this? And I would, I would, have, to on, I would have to answer honestly. And I think, I think that's like when it comes down to it, we're faced with our own conscience. Okay, we're always faced with our own conscience. And <laughs> I read today a guy named R. A. Torrey said, "Man's conscience, man's conscience, is always on the side of God, because you can't lie. Your conscience doesn't lie to you. If you say I'm good enough in your heart, you know you're not. If you say I'm smart enough, I'm great enough, I'm powerful enough, I'm whatever enough, your conscience will always tell you the truth." And he said, your conscience is always on the side of God. Does that make sense? So, though arguing is very popular, <laughs> I don't think it's effective. <laughs> cool. Sweet. Yeah, man. No, thank you guys. I really hope, I really hope you guys, yeah, just, just keeps trying to find truth. Not just looking for it, not just saying on on the search for truth for the rest of your life. I hope you I hope you let yourself find it. And that's pretty much it.